0: Hi, this is Annika Fain with Northwest Fish Passage. This is episode five of my podcast. In addition to being a podcast, Northwest Fish Passage is a small strategic collaborative partnership of scientists, planners, and engineers. Today I am here with Emily from Skagit County Public Works. She is a habitat restoration specialist, and I'm so happy that she's here with me today. Hi, thanks for having
1: me. So how long have you been at Skagit County? I've been here for 13 years. Um, it was my first job right out of college and here I have stayed.
0: Wow, that's, a, that's great. So they must treat you pretty well then.
1: They do. I've, yeah, I love my job. I feel really fortunate to um, get to work in the field and push paper. <laughs> so
0: what motivated you to get involved in habitat restoration?
1: Well, I always knew that I wanted to do field work. Um, I always knew I wanted to do something outside, and I have loved fish. And if you're going to work with fish in this area of the country, it's pretty much going to be salmon. Um, And so it just kind of naturally ended up this way, really. I took an internship with the county while I was an undergrad and um, was able to turn that into a full-time position. And then they actually allowed me to go back to grad school. Uh, once, that, once that was finished, we really kind of grew the habitat restoration side of my job, which has been a lot of fun.
0: So, recently there's been a big uh, culvert replacement that's been in the news on Maddox yeah. Creek. And I'd love to hear about um, what you, your involvement there
1: and how everything went. Sure. I should start by giving a shout out to Kurt Buchanan. He's a um, retired fish and wildlife habitat biologist, and he really has championed this project for probably almost three decades. Um, So this culvert on Maddox Creek went in in the late 60s in anticipation of a road being built, and the road was never built. So this culvert has sat there blocking fish passage, you know, for, what is that, 50 years? And the city actually got a grant to remove the culvert one time in the past and wasn't able to fulfill it. So this time around, uh, I actually authored the grant and we partnered with the city and took the took the culvert out and it was just completed about two weeks ago. So it was a 210 foot long culvert and it was under um, almost 11,000 cubic yards of fill. So it was a lot of earthwork, but um, with all these recent rains, I'm excited to go check it out because I think that we should start seeing fish move upstream for the first time in a long time. Wow, so was it a complete barrier? Complete barrier, yeah. It was perched, which means elevated above the stream channel like five Mm -hmm. feet, and pretty much rusted all the way through, and it was in very bad shape. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Department of Ecology, I should just mention, the Department of Ecology and the Trout and Salmon Foundation provided funding, and then the city and the county split the remainder
0: And how many years did it take in in the process
1: of planning and designing? Yeah, well, we, this last round alone, um, not looking back in time from that, it was about a year and a half of design. And then um, it was almost a full month of construction. But like I mentioned, Kurt has been trying to get the covered out for a while. And so there were some previous, you know, efforts that, weren't successful both in just writing grants and in just construct construction. It was a hard location to get to prior to Anderson LaVenture being reconstructed and much larger. And so so, uh,
0: you mentioned the city and what about what were some of the other partners um, that you worked with?
1: We that it was really just the city. We're hoping we were hoping to partner with Skagit Fisheries to help us replant, but the it's a really steep site, so it's not very conducive to volunteers. We worked with Williamson Construction, uh, which was a great firm, and um, an interesting thing about the site, we had to have an archaeological monitor on site the whole time because there was nobody really knew where all this fill came from. Um, mm-hmm. So we worked with ERCI to do that, but no, uh, no other like project partners other than the city. Yeah, that's
0: great. I look forward to going out there and seeing it sometime.
1: Yeah, the city's working on a trail right now and then um, starting in like October, or November, we'll plant. So it'll look a lot better once we get some trees in the ground. Oh, we partnered with the conservation district. I should mention that. They did the design. Okay. They're Tom's local, yeah.
0: What is one of your another project? Maybe one of your favorite habitat restoration projects that you've worked on? At the sure, time? this is a
1: good question. I was just talking to some colleagues about this the other day. I really like doing bank small bank stabilization projects with wood structures, and so we've gotten to do quite a few of those. So I've worked with a bunch of private landowners, and one landowner on Walker Creek in particular was probably one of my uh, one of my favorite. We got to work in three different areas and install you know structures to reduce bank stabilization and we put a camera in while we were moving downstream and just you know all the juveniles came right away to the structure so it was just it was fun to see and show people. Wow and I really like working with private property owners so that's a that's another added perk of that project.
0: For that project or some of the other projects what have been some of your biggest challenges?
1: The program that funds these, the county runs a natural resource stewardship program. It provides all the funding to property owners. And so a lot of people will come in with bank erosion. And I th- think one of the biggest challenges is convincing them that just putting hard rock on the bank is not good for fish or for, mm-hmm. um, you know, or for their property, really. Because usually it's um, detrimental in the long run. Yeah. And then speaking about fish passage specifically, um I do the environmental permitting for the roads department with a colleague of mine. And one of the biggest challenges with that is uh, limited money and it's really easy for the county to be more reactionary when things are degrading in structural form to focus on those culverts instead of just fish passage for the sake of fish passage. And we're getting a lot better in doing that, but it's been a challenge um, the whole time I've been here, uh, of you know kind of pushing the county to be proactive.
0: In terms of projects, what do you think one of your biggest successes is?
1: I think, uh, honestly, Maddox Creek is probably one of the biggest successes that they've been trying for so long to get that culvert out and it. The city and the county were really able to come together and champion um, seeing that project through. So that's a really good success story for those two agencies. And just the fact that it was a, a totally non-functioning culvert that wasn't needed for anything, but was blocking, you know, two miles of habitat. It's a good, That was a good feel good project.
0: So in the upcoming five to 10 years, how many culverts in Skagit County is the county looking at uh, replacing or removing?
1: This is a good question um, and something that is at the heart of our discussions internally right now. We are really trying to get a a list and a plan together to prioritize and optimize culverts. We've been working with other folks in the area, the two tribes, Upper Skagit and the Skagit River System Cooperative, which is a joint Soxu, Adidale and Swinomish tribes, and then um, Skagit Fisheries Enhancement Group. And we've gone through, I think we looked at 300 Known barriers that our Skagit county owned, not all of those ended up being barriers, and I can send you the report well, we can talk hard. about that later but so we're the county's really trying to figure that out right now, how we want to prioritize culverts um, and and what the plan is moving forward. I think in an ideal world, we'd be looking at two a year, but one of the things is in our area, the easy money really comes with Chinook mm-hmm. and most of the low hanging Fruit for Chinook culverts have already been completed so the ones that are out there that benefit Chinook are the more costly and or difficult to design um, projects so it's all part of the discussion right now of how we really want to move forward and think about what culverts to get done.
0: Well I look forward to looking at the reports and yeah. tell me a little bit about what factors you're looking at.
1: Sure. So the report is set up, they break it up in a couple different ways. One of the um, most important ones is the number of downstream barriers. And then another one is obviously the upstream habitat availability. And so one of the things we wanted to be really cautious of is some of the culverts that come out as being really high priority that have a lot of upstream habitat, maybe they have five or seven downstream barriers. One of the things we're, we're trying to wrap our head around that right now and how we want to approach that. The other thing that's interesting is that you can have a fish passage barrier in a variety of stages. So it can be a total barrier or it can be a, you know, 33% barrier or a 67% barrier. And so we're also trying to work in, you know, focusing on the total barriers first. So I think where we're going to land is culverts that are total barriers that have no barriers downstream seem like very obvious choices. And then those will be ranked based on upstream habitat availability and then moving forward from there we are also looking to our engineering department to give us feedback on lifespan of culverts so if you know if some of these culverts that maybe are we'll say number 12 on this to be completed list but they're at risk of failure sooner then maybe that one should be bumped up a lot to chat about it's a, it's a big pie and you can cut it up a lot of ways and so um it's been fun to put our hands together and Figure out what makes the most sense for Skagit to move forward and then
0: in in terms of cost of uh, of replacement is that one of the in the
1: prioritization um... well i 've been advocating really hard not to include that at this stage because I think we should get the list of what the great culverts um, are down, and then we can beat them up for being hard to do or mm-hmm. expensive. But that, that will for sure, we really come into play. It's uh, right now the county funds all of our fish passage projects with grant funding. And we've completed you know almost 50 since we started in the late 90s. But we were, our director right now, Dan Berenson is trying to um, figure out a plan forward, how to get the funding a little bit more secure so we can really start to hammer out a lot of projects but I don't want that to take a really great project off the list now, <laughs> so. Yeah, in, th-
0: uh, in terms of the, the tribal uh, um, involvement, can you just tell me about who the, the different tribes that are at the table? For this? Sure,
1: yeah, so SRSC represents, um, which is the Skagit River System Cooperative, they represent the Sauk Suaddle and the Swinomish tribe. And then the upper Skagit tribes, So those three tribes really have been at the table and then the nonprofit Skagit fisheries. And so they, SRSC led the prioritization. So as part of this, we took fish and wildlife's list of barriers and we went out and confirmed that they were still barriers. SRSC did the really the heavy lifting on um, walking the streams to determine habitat quality upstream. And then, um, they co- they built this brilliant database that makes it really great for all of us partners to be able to search and, and slice that pie up, like I was saying, in ways that work for us, and then put together a report that is available for your listeners or you. It's available online.
0: Great. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: So can you tell me about how Skagit County and you've been doing
1: the monitoring and challenges? Sure. I feel really fortunate. Um, We have a small budget set aside for the culverts that are considered part of our formal fish passage program. And so we intend to do about six every year and we just go out and do fish and wildlife's assessment on it to make sure that it's still passable. Mm -hmm. And one thing of note is that, um, you know, just a plug for monitoring, it really is important. There was a period of time where the county installed a lot of pipe arch culverts, which are like a typical round culvert that they squash and make like Mm -hmm. an ellipse shape. We did that for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe there wasn't enough fill or we didn't want to raise the road or whatever the reason may be. But going back in time, we're really finding that those don't work and maintain fish passage in a lot of sites. So there's some of these culverts that we've been championing as fish passage projects that due to our monitoring efforts we've actually had to pull off the list and add them back onto the to be corrected list which is it's a hard pill to swallow and it's a hard story to sell to those above me also that that we didn't get it right. I think kind of as a community we've all realized that pipe arches maybe were being misused a little bit and we're we've moved away from them. But yeah, so I feel really fortunate that we are funded to monitor fish passage. It doesn't work for most other habitat projects that we complete, like Maddox, since the culvert's out. We Mm -hmm. don't have any formal monitoring for that, but the the culverts that are in, we do monitor. Um, So Fish and Wildlife currently counts uh, spawners up to the culvert, and so uh, I have not confirmed this, but I'm hoping that now that that's no longer a barrier that they'll continue um, moving upstream, especially since the property is owned by the city. Um, So no, we don't, the county does not, but I'm hoping that our partners will be able to monitor that success for us. And just on the personal level, I'll definitely be down there taking pictures and seeing if fish are coming through, but um, there won't be anything formal from the county. As part of the grant um, from Ecology, we will be monitoring the vegetation establishment, um, but but not fish. When we did the fish removal, we pulled out a bunch of coho, some cutthroat, some lamprey. So they're all there ready to go, to go upstream.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. I know, yeah.
1: You said there was going to be a a trail that's being put in? Yeah, the city is uh, working, I think actually next week is when, um, or the first week of October um, Mm -hmm. is when they plan to uh, complete that. And I'm not sure they're building a bridge with a volunteer group, so the bridge might not be installed right away, but the trail down to the water on both sides should be completed soon, which would be great. That was a little social trail. Um, It wasn't an established city trail, but it was definitely used by lots of folks, so it'll be good to get that back.
0: I was wondering if you have advice to young professionals interested in habitat restoration and
1: one of the things when I was an undergraduate that I wish I had really taken seriously was to reach out to my advisor. Um, towards the end of undergrad, we became great friends and all through grad school. And we still, he's a hes a really important resource even still today. I reach out to him a lot. And then I think uh, there used to be like a green drinks before COVID mm-hmm. where folks would get together and network. I was always too chicken and I wish, you know, when I was young, I would have gone and, um, it's it just really is a great way to meet people in the community and see what's available out there and kind of target what way you want to go in your career especially if you're looking at being a consultant lots of my friends went that route and ended up just kind of following where the job took them instead of really knowing where they wanted to end up and i'm lucky and ended up where i wanted to but i think just not being shy and getting out there would be the advice i have and if there's any Chance you can take any classes or uh, credits on permitting, anything you can learn to help yourself in that world will make you marketable, I would say.
0: Do you have anything else you wanna talk about related to fish passage? Um,
1: I guess I could just say what the county's doing in the future.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: Okay, so currently um, we are in the, we have uh, three culverts moving forward with design from the Fish Barrier Removal Board. And those will be great. Two of them are directly adjacent to the Fisher Creek, so two of them are Fisher on Fisher Creek, and they're right upstream of Washdots recently completed project. So that will be um, those will be really great to see completed. One is the removal of a pretty big fish ladder. We did recently complete another fish passage up near Rockport, and we've applied um, for funding for. I think three more. We partner a lot with Skagit Fisheries and they help us um, get funding also. And so Sue Madsen's been great um, at championing projects. So I think currently the county has six culvert projects that are either in design um, or uh, looking for construction funding under county roads. And then we're working on three private culvert crossings right now. So there's a lot going on in the culvert world.
0: That's great so yeah. the the private crossings wheres the funding coming from for those
1: great that's a good question. The drainage utility fund is a fund that all homeowners in the county pay into, and it 's meant to assist um, assist folks with drainage issues and culverts are you know as a fish biologist they're one I always try to champion because they also cause a lot of flood issues for folks if they're not functioning, so in two of these cases. It's really a flood project that's gonna have a great fish benefit. And then one's just a standalone fish project. But the drainage utility can fund all those. So it's no cost to the landowner, which is a really nice program to have.
0: But landowners have, are interested right now. What how should they get in touch with uh, with the county about sure if
1: you yeah, if you are an interested landowner that you want to talk about fish passage, mm-hmm. you should definitely call me. I can, my my phone number is 360-416-1449. There's a lot of different ways we can get projects, projects funded for private people.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fun. I would like to end by expressing my deepest respect and gratitude to the many indigenous peoples and tribal nations in the Salish Sea region for their enduring care and protection of our shared lands and waterways. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review and tell a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.